Welcome to Behind the Screen, the Harms of Cyberbullying webinar. I'm your host, Devin Moore. I am a Humanity Rising Ambassador, founder of Race to Speak Up, an anti-bullying organization, and co-creator of the hashtag Behind the Screen anti-cyberbullying curriculum. And hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Dr. Sandeep Brandawa. I'm a forensic child and adolescent psychiatrist specializing in uh, treating and helping children work through traumatic experiences related to bullying in all of its forms. As the host of Behind the Screen, the Harms of Cyberbullying, we talk about cyberbullying prevention, how to be upstanders, mental health, and offer advice about dealing with your bullying situations. The topic for this episode is how can we prevent youth suicide through cyber safety? Joining us today to talk about this is Caroline Lovers. She's the founder of Goldfish Consulting, a marketing and brand strategy agency in Chicago. She is also the marketing communications director for Gabriel's Light. After losing her brother to suicide, she began working with Carol Dealey, founder of Gabriel's Light, to forward their mission to prevent youth suicide through education, cyber safety, and kindness campaigns. In 2019, Carol and Brendan Dealey founded Gabriel's Light in honor of their son who died by suicide at age 12. In honor of Gabe and all those lost to suicide, they shared their journey with the hope that others may learn and grow from this tragedy. tragedy. We're glad to have Caroline here to talk about youth suicide. Thank you for joining us today, Caroline. We would love for you to tell us your story, um, Gabriel's story and your work with Carol and Gabriel's Light. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. So um, thank you for that nice intro, Devin. As he mentioned, um, I lost my own brother to suicide as an adult after he had a few, um, about 20 years of mental health problems and addiction problems. So I'm intimately familiar with the tragedy of suicide and how to cope with it. And two years ago, I started working with Carol Dealey of Gabriel's Light here in Chicago, and I've worked with her ever since. Um, and we really focus on youth. Um, and I have become extremely passionate about finding ways to reach kids younger and to be able to help them and, and identify warning signs and get help for young people. Um, Carol uh, founded, as, as Devin said, the organization Gabriel's Light after her son Gabe died at age 12 of suicide. Many people didn't even know or think that kids that uh, old even knew or were aware about suicide. Um, and he did not show any signs of suicide at home, which we'll talk about more later. Um, but there were warning signs with his technology use at school and with some things he talked about with some of his friends. So that's why we use education and we promote uh, cyber safety and kindness campaigns because Gabe did experience bullying. Um, and if the right things were in place, there's a chance an intervention could have been um, helpful to him. Thank you for sharing, Caroline. It's important that we have this open conversation about suicide prevention and cyber safety so that the youth don't have to go through the pain that Gabriel went through and let them know that we're here to help. The reason why I started the hashtag Race to Speak Up anti-bullying organization is to help spread this message of teaching others about bullying prevention and mental health. And I designed the hashtag behind the screen anti-cyberbullying curriculum in order for students, parents, and teachers to get an understanding of what cyberbullying is. Cyberbullying prevention, its effects, and how to be upstanders. We have our co-host psychiatrist, Dr. Sandeep Wandawa, who, as he said before, specializes in child and adolescent bullying. Dr. Sandeep, could you please tell us a little about your work with helping the youth? 
Uh, sure. So I work in a couple of different settings. Um, I think for related to today, do work in an inpatient psychiatric setting uh, where we help youth that are experiencing severe uh, mental health concerns or issues, typically if they are dangerous to self or others, specifically related to depression or uh, if they've had a suicide attempt or suicidal thoughts. Uh, so what we do is it, a, we have a team approach in getting to build rapport, figuring out what's been stressing them out, if they can you know, connect the dots there, and then really enhancing the coping skills and their uh, ability to be confident in using those coping skills and uh, practicing them while they're in the hospital, while making sure that they have uh, positive, what we describe as prognostic factors that they're looking or, or implementing, such as uh, you know, learning on what kind of support system they actually have. Why we often see youth come in that feel like they are the only ones experiencing something. They're the only ones that are going through the pain or suffering by themselves, which can be a very isolating feeling so we definitely have uh, a therapist and myself trying to uh, improve their ability on creating and understanding the support that they actually have, whether it's their parents, whether it's their friends, and building the, uh, a way to help them uh, advocate for themselves while finding healthier ways to cope when life isn't going smooth. Uh, and then, you know, line them up with therapists or ongoing work uh, once they leave the hospital also. Uh, but that's in the inpatient setting, and then we continue to you know follow their course of treatment until you know whether medications needed or not is used. We make sure that they get to the point of stability, remission, and uh, you know hopefully uh, to the point where I can just hover in the background and uh, you know not have to meet as much. But uh, I think this the topic of depression, suicide, and cyberbullying is, is so interconnected that uh, you know you never know what kind of things are going to stress somebody out and also behind the scenes won't know what might be affecting someone because you won't know have the, uh, especially with youth, you won't have the typical presentation of what we expect when depression, suicide is on the mind. Uh, so it's all the more important to have, you know, this type of team approach uh, with everyone on board to educate, talk about it and make sure that you're aware and how to help. So you can be proactive instead of, uh, you know, uh, I guess, the other way around so that's where i come into play and in, uh, in helping as as best we can in in that capacity yeah thank you dr rondala for sharing this is exactly what we need to spread this message of what of having others understand what bullying is and understand this message of suicide prevention now let's talk about the definition of bullying Bullying is unwanted and aggressive behavior targeted at the victim. Cyberbullying is this rude and offensive behavior through digital devices. Imagine someone being rude to you or hating you because of, for example, your skin color or your religion or your size, your height. Bullying is not random and the victim of this issue is being targeted for a reason. Cyberbullying can also include sharing harmful or false and mean content about someone. And it can be on all forms of social media, whether Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat. And it can be through text and email. Taking a look at a few statistics, when it comes to cyberbullying, it's actually increased up to 73% since the start of the pandemic. And cases not accounted for, only a 50% will tell, won't tell, excuse me. 
and one out of five youth will report. So that means that you can know someone who's gone through cyberbullying and you wouldn't even know it. Students who are more who are bullied or cyberbullied are two times more likely to commit suicide. We should not be having this. Now, Caroline, you personally dealt with losing your brother to suicide. How did you cope with this? Um, in my case, we did know that he had some mental health problems and he had talked about it before. So it wasn't as shocking as the case of the Dealies who lost Gabe at age 12. Um, I do think I've learned that um, it helps so much to talk about it. There is a huge stigma still around mental health and around suicide. I know some religious beliefs believe it's sinful or people in the family feel responsible. Um, I've had a lot of people, because my family is so open about it, reach out to me privately and say, please don't tell anyone else, but this is the real reason my friend or someone died and can we go out for lunch? And I can tell at the end of talking about it that the people are so relieved. So I know there's a loss program on our website. We have some resources that talk about um, support groups. And I know for the Dealey family, when they lost Gabe, Gabe it was a huge, a huge help to be able to be part of this suicide um, loss program where people, it's a different kind of loss. And so I think being able to talk about it and understand suicide is helpful. So for me, I would say it was support, being open about it, talking with others um, and being able to find that support from professionals who understand um, how to manage grief. And Caroline, I know that Gabriel actually brought up in school that he was being bullied and that he was contemplating suicide. How can a friend respond to someone that says that they would want to kill themselves? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, we talk a lot about the warnings of suicide and knowing what to do. First of all, we say to all young people, never keep secrets. I have a 10 and a 13 year old daughter myself. Um, so we talk a lot about this at home is that there is no secret that a friend can give you. Please don't tell anyone or this is what I'm thinking about because the consequence is just too much. And the other thing is knowing the warning signs like I think um, Gabe joked sometimes with people like, oh, they just be better off without me or oh, those bullies would be so happy if I just died, you know, and you might think that's flippant or a joke, but it's so important for kids and for schools to have the education and curriculum that they know that is not a joke. And what we talked to them about doing is telling a trusted adult, um, a school counselor, having talking to a parent, calling a physician. Um, and sometimes when you get into, you know, even 911, it seems so serious, like, oh, but that's for a real emergency. And for an immediate, you know, this is an emergency if someone is talking about it or they see it online, um, that people are thinking about it. The other thing is the crisis text line. A lot of kids are not uh, very good communicators face to face or they're not comfortable communicating face to face. And the crisis text line, which you could find online, but it's 741741, and they, it doesn't have to be a crisis. So I know some kids that heard about it, and then they used it because they said, my friend just made this joke. I don't know if it's serious or not. What should I do? So I think that text line is especially helpful for youth to know what to do. But for parents, I just want to reiterate, some people are like, well, I think it was a joke. I don't know. Call your physician. Call a doctor. And Dr. Randawa can say you know, what, what he thinks about it. But um, people just think, oh, I didn't think they were serious. And it's just never worth um, the consequence of it potentially being serious. Yeah, Dr. Rondala, how would you respond also if someone came up to you and said that they wanted to kill themselves? Sure, so I think piggybacking off of what Caroline was mentioning, uh, we, want, we always like look into the context of what and where it was said because 
uh, you know, there still is that sometimes the, the, the narrative where if you are really frustrated, you might impulsively say, oh, well, I wish I was just dead, et cetera. But the threshold is so different now that we would like to make sure that, uh, we, you know, we can, we can meet the, the, the client where they are. Because uh, sometimes if you overtly stress them or have them talk about it too quickly, that can shut, they can shut things down and then they really don't want to talk about it. So building the rapport and finessing it is key. Uh, and from there, we look into, you know, what is it, wh how, how hopeful or hopeless are they? And that could be a signifying factor of do we need to, you know, continue being more intense or can we be a little bit more uh, at least relaxed in how we approach because it's a sensitive topic. But I think another thing Caroline mentioned, once upon a time, there was a stigma and it still is there that if you talk about suicide or if you talk about the the planning or just the topic itself that'll reinforce and make someone more suicidal uh, but research has shown that that's not the case talking about it gets uh it the, it will not make the likelihood of it happening even more if if anything it'll decrease it and help uh the person that may be having those thoughts find ways to cope talk about it proactively uh, and like she mentioned the crisis line is great uh, the other is the suicide hotline uh, what we recommend sometimes to youth is put it into your phone and make it, it uh, make it into a friendly contact name. So that way, if you are around friends or alone, you feel comfortable uh, hitting that contact number and just calling the number and having it ready to go. It could be buddy, it could be buddy in need, just having a, having some type of code word that is the suicide hotline or the crisis hotline can be very effective. Uh, but I think overall, each, each person experiencing this type of depression or suicidal thoughts can have such a wide presentation that you just have to first, again, meet them where they are, let them come to you and talk, don't pressure it. Uh, and you also want to kind of gauge the level of trust you could give them because uh, sometimes when it comes to suicidal conversations, uh, the client will be hesitant to talk about it because they don't they don't want to go into a hospital. They don't want to get in pay, uh, admitted to a place where that's unfamiliar, which then, that, which then can further stress them out. So safety planning and talking about uh, their, their reasons for living and how hopeful they are in the moment can really help them become confident with the next steps in getting help or support or just processing it with someone. I wanted to add one thing that someone said to me once, it might've been Carol, the founder of Gabriel's Light saying, you know, what would you do if someone said, oh, I planted a bomb in the school? <laughs> you know, that can never be taken lightly, you know, with, or, or I might bring a gun to school tomorrow. You know, now our world has lived through it, but the amount of deaths by suicide by young people, it's the second leading cause of death for young people. And it's nothing compared to the amount of deaths by, by gun violence in schools. But that's so dramatic. And in the news, we hear about it all the time. But when you start to think about it being the second leading cause of death for young people, there is no joke about it that's okay, <laughs> really. And I think that's where we have to get to, that any statement that jokes about that is taken you know, seriously. Yeah, I, no, I agree. 100%. I agree. Like you said, Caroline, like this is an emergency. It's important. That's why we need to... Um, promote, oh no, what we need to do is we need to make sure that the youth have these different resources. And behind the screen, we have the different resources, the suicide prevention hotline. We make sure that the youth and all understand that we're here for them. And we're like, you know, opening up um, this safe space and allowing for them to know that we're here and listening to them. We love them and we want to make sure that 
they know that we love them. It helps a lot as far as them, well, yeah, just them feeling that love and them feeling that comfort within us. I've seen so many young children that have actually committed suicide and it's devastating. I recently saw a 10 year old girl who was on the news. She was, so she was being bullied for being African-American and she was also autistic. And then she killed herself because of all the bullying. It breaks my heart, but how do you, how do you guys think we can start this conversation with the youth? Oh, Caroline, would you like to start? Sure. Um, well, I think that education is so key um, and more public service announcements. When we had, um, in this fall, we had a bunch of youth ambassadors and we were asking people three things, learn the warning signs, know how to help, tell others to do the same. It's a pretty simple message, just learning the warning signs and knowing knowing how to speak up. And I know you do a lot about, you know, the Race to Speak Up organization. The key is these a lot of the youth we work with, they're so hesitant to talk about it. And I think the pandemic has made it worse. I think conversations starting at home for everybody who joined us today and who watches this, if you have kids in your life, is start to be the one to just talk about it. You know, so if all of us who are listening could talk about it and tell those people to do the same, it's that learn the warning signs, know what to do and ask others to do the same. So I think that's the way we try to continue to spread it on a grassroots level. Yeah, I would follow, I think that's uh, the right approach is just making it so it's more second nature and we can, that, that way you can identify it and be able to say or do something earlier on. Uh, just to an earlier point, you know, another thing that we've been doing at the hospital, at least for some of the youth that might impulsively say, I just want to kill myself or something like that, when they're not actually suicidal or depressed, is really pushing towards changing that narrative and taking it out of our vernacular. So that way there's, you know, we try to implement a thousand other things you could say when you're that frustrated, other than I'm suicidal or I, I just want to kill myself or something to that effect. So that way you don't get that wrong attention but you also allow who might actually need it the right, uh, let them get the right attention and the right type of help. Uh, but I think, yeah, at the grassroots level, just promoting it, talking about it, and uh, you know, things like this can be really beneficial too. Uh, so start you know, it, it, putting the energy at home. If you see something, say something type of effect. Uh, and, and then going from there, it can be very beneficial as well. Can I add one thing, Devin? Um, I think for all the parents out there, people are probably tuning in who are a lot of parents, is to ask the schools. I mean, you want to make sure your kid is safe at school, again, from guns. We have drills in our schools now. You have fire drills and you have, you know, safety drills for if someone bad comes in the school. I think all of us should be asking our administrators, what do you have in place for mental health for our kids? Making sure there's cyber alerts and are they turned on? And what do you do when you get a cyber alert? And I think that's every parent's right to be asking the school what's in place. And I know the schools are so taxed right now because of the pandemic. So it's been hard to get a hold of people, even in my own kids' schools, to talk about that sometimes. Um, but I do think it's something that that's a way we can further spread it, is to get parents asking schools and really demanding that it's part of the safety protocol. Yes, I agree, because this is such this is such an important issue. And then when it comes to hashtag behind the screen, the anti-cyberbullying curriculum, we have the different signs and we have the effects. And as well, we have um, a variety of the different activities. I'm going to pull up a few of the effects since we're on the topic, just to like further look into it. Um, I want you all to take a look at this slide for a minute. This has a few of the signs or effects that 
a person may be going through bullying, Michelle. Um, the student may become depressed, which is the extreme feeling of sadness or loss of interest. The student may feel anxiety, which is the intense feeling of worry or uneasiness. I still, because of the bullying experiences that I went through, I still go through anxiety. I know that Sandeep, a lot of the time he talks about this main effect that someone may be feeling when they're going through bullying or cyberbullying. The student may have low self-esteem, which is how we see or value ourselves. They can also have unexplainable weight gain or weight loss and trouble eating or headaches. And like we said before, they may become distant from loved ones. Um, now, 80% of the youth, have they, they give verbal warning signs. And Caroline, um, did Gabriel show any signs that he was going through bullying or have suicidal thoughts? Yes, unfortunately, I mean, not at home. His parents didn't see, they thought it was an accident when he, he passed away on a Wednesday. He came from home from school and was feeling a little bit down. And he said, I'm just gonna be up in my room. Um, and then he was supposed to have a piano lesson and that was the last time that they saw him live. So they really thought it was maybe a prank gone wrong or something because they couldn't, they had no warning signs at all. Um, they started to find out a few weeks later after, um, the school sent the cyber report that there had been searching the 11 days leading up to his death on his school devices. And unfortunately, the alerts were not turned on. And the other sign was a friend came forward and one of his friends, when they found out that um, a 12 year old friend found out that Gabe had passed away, the friend said, oh no, did he kill himself? And so they said, you know, why would you have said that? And so he had been talking about it with friends. Unfortunately, those young kids hadn't had the education to know what to do about it. So that is really what drives our mission because on those two fronts, on the cyber safety at school and on having, if those kids at school had been trained about what to do, um, the DLA family has turned their own tragedy into trying to help someone else um, keep from going through that. So, um, you know, again, for the parents that say, oh, but that would never be my kid, he was fine. I know the DLEs intimately. They're amazing people. They're tuned in. They have, they had five children. Um, they're not the out to lunch people that are like, oh, I didn't even notice my kid was that way. They absolutely didn't see the signs at home. So for, you know, when we get talking about cyber safety and monitoring and, you know, there is a family, I know them intimately. They did not see the signs at home. That's why these other things are so important to get it from all different friends. Caroline, I just want to uh, add on to that because I, I remember, so I actually interviewed Caroline for the race. I know you know Caroline. I actually interviewed um, Carol Dealey for the Race to Speak Up podcast. And I just remember, I remember the sadness that she had on her face when she was telling me like she didn't know. She said she, she thought that it was, you know, like this accident and she, he went upstairs and it was just such a sad thing to hear coming out of Carol's mouth. And you could see the just utter sadness that came across her face as she was saying it. And just looking at Carol and looking at other people who I have talked to, I um, also work with someone named Kirk Smalley. He lost his son to suicide too, at a, such a young age. And just knowing how much it affects the family, know, knowing how it affects the person going through these suicidal thoughts, these suicidal ideations. It's so terrifying. It's so terrifying to look at it from, I, like I'm 17 currently, someone else my age could be going through this. 
or someone younger or like, you know, it's crazy to see that one of my peers could be going through these different feelings, see, feeling as though they don't belong. Oh, excuse me. Feeling as though there's no way out of their situation that they take their own life. It's terrifying. And that's why we really need to promote promote this message of suicide prevention. That's why I'm so happy that Garibald's Light focuses in on promoting this uh, suicide prevention um, uh, me message. Dr. Sundy, would you like to add on to that? I, you know, I think, uh, well, again, age matters sometimes, but uh, given COVID and the impact that's made on youth, being at home, being, you know, having a different trajectory, doing a lot of things alone, uh, I think that's really uh, amplified the reasons for why you want to be checking in a different way, check their uh, logs, check to see what their you know, their browser history has been, what it, have they had any changes of interest. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, especially for younger children, is sometimes when you think of depression or suicide, you uh, may think of like the classic depressed mood where you're just sullen or feeling isolated. But with youth, uh, one thing to keep in mind is that they will sometimes be, uh, they don't have that depressed mood. Instead, they may be more irritated or reactive to things, uh, which may be uh, one of the first warning signs to look into as well. Uh, but to, to Caroline's point, sometimes there's no warning signs. So friends keeping in touch with their, uh, you know, who they talk to, they might be able to get more intel. And that is one thing we've seen over the last year and a half is we've had a number of youth that have been admitted because their friend notified parents telling them what was said on a snap, a Snapchat story or Instagram story or, or text message late at night, which saved a lot of these youth's lives because they were unwilling to tell their parents themselves, but their friend was able to advocate for them. Uh, you know, so given, given that, you know, collectively uh, mm -hmm. being, being in touch and, and really paying attention to, the subtle things can be really impactful, but also the, the friends can do your friends uh, of anyone can be that one saving grace when the person themselves who thinks that there's no reason to live or doesn't have uh, can identify a reason for a living. Uh, they might reach out to that one person and that person can can do something for them that they they weren't able to do themselves and give them that hope. Uh, can I ask a question, Dr. Rendawa? A lot of people sure. ask me this and I don't know the answer. My kids were very young when they were exposed to suicide because my family was open about how my brother died and it was really hard to talk about. And my, one of my daughters had quite a bit of anxiety around it that we've had to deal with. What is, I know they know, they say, you know, not talking about it isn't the answer. Do you have an age guideline as a doctor that at what age, you know, my youngest even, was like, well, how does that happen? Do you, are you so depressed you accidentally walk in front of a car? And I, you know, at age 10, I'm, I'm like, that could happen. You know, so do you have any guidelines or a place we could even find resources about age appropriate discussions around suicide? Uh, sure, so usually one, one thing to keep in mind is around 11, 12 is when we start to think abstractly, meaning outside the box of the repercussions of our behavior. Uh, if I do something, what impact can that make on myself, others, et cetera? So that, that in itself can be uh, helpful because when we're 10 and 11 and younger, we can't think abstractly. So uh, talking about suicide won't really mean anything because we'll concrete, well, this person got sad and then they killed themselves and they won't see that middle ground of feelings, emotions, et cetera. So usually when it comes to suicide, the, for 
fucking 12 or younger, 11 or younger, the fact that someone passed away is there. But I, we typically try to, I don't want to say sugarcoat it, but um, minimize the details around suicide, just keeping it to the person has passed away. Uh, suicide was how it happened. And then you try to take it at their pace where if they ask more questions, trying to uh, kind of answer it simply for them for instance you know you mentioned the, the do they just jump in front of a car They're like well it can happen but what your goal should be is try to na navigate to another topic uh because at, for some again 11 or 12 or younger they're just not fully going to be able to grasp what it is i mean even young adults can't really grasp it and we're still doing ongoing research on why this ultimately sometimes happens uh you know so uh that's one piece one thing on that also is if someone does pass away and uh the funeral is coming on for younger children. What we uh, tell parents is uh, not letting them go to the funeral is sometimes going to be counterproductive and there could be a lot of negative repercussions from it. So we do recommend if the kid, if your child says, I want to be at the funeral, go ahead and let them come to the funeral. If they say, no, I don't want to, then don't push it uh, at that pace. And you can always answer questions later on in life as they are more mature enough to understand the intricacies uh, and details that come along with suicide. Super helpful. I don't know if that fully answered. Yeah. No, very, but it's, very, it, it, yeah. Very helpful. And even like my daughter that was younger, it was really when she turned 12 when the anxiety around suicide started happening. So that's so interesting you mentioned that age, you know, because that's mm -hmm. right when it started happening. And I, and I agree, people say to me, answer the level they asked about, you know. And so mm -hmm. I think that that's really helpful is let them cue the next step. Thank you for that. Yes, yeah, not a problem. Yeah, in the age of you know social media and having so many things, we feel the need sometimes to overtly explain when sometimes simple is just as fine. Feel like, oh well, it just happened, let it be, and then navigate to another topic. Because uh, someone that is really wanting to get more and more questions answered will continue to ask. So sometimes we just have to put our foot down and say, no, you know, not right now. Let's you know move move yeah. to a different uh, area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I also realized during the um, age of 11 and 12 is when, or just middle school really in general, people start seeing um, differences. They start realizing that, oh, I don't look the same as this person, or oh, my hair's not the same texture. Oh, I don't have the same colored eyes. I don't act the same. We don't talk the same, walk the same. And then that creates division. That creates, I feel like an outcast. That, all, that also could be, or that tends to be a time where there's bullies. There's those who, there's those who feel so maybe even threatened or jealous. There's so many different reasons for bullying, but they feel as though they have the power to hurt others because of the fact that they're different, that uh, the victim's different than them. It makes them feel powerful. And then uh, like what we're talking about now when it comes to behind the screen, like that false sense of security that's given to many because we're behind this computer screen, it, it causes more cyberbullying. I mean, we looked, at the, we looked at the statistics, it's continuously rising. Students are at home, adults are at home, we're all at home more and more and this just opens up this moment for many to feel so sad, so isolated. It's, it's, it's terrifying. 
like I'm going to continuously say it, this is an emergency, like how Caroline was talking about, this is an emergency and we need to promote that, um, we need to promote the, this message of suicide prevention. We need to promote the suicide hotline. I'll, in fact, why don't I bring it up right now? Suicide, it's never the answer. And unfortunately, many people who've gone through cyberbullying or any type of bullying for that matter, they feel that killing themselves is the only way out or that it's their only escape. We are here to tell all of you, everyone listening, we're here to tell you that it is not the, it is not the escape. This is not the way out. And like I said before, the hashtag behind the screen curriculum, it includes the suicide prevention hotline and other resources. And just to reiterate the phone number for the suicide prevention hotline, that's 800-273-8255. Do you guys think that by having this curriculum, parents will be more easily able to explain cyber safety to their children? Caroline, would you like to start? Yeah, I think so. And if and um, I know you'll probably say it again later too, but letting know people know where to access it. Um, I always found like any stage of development, when you have a tool to help you explain something, when your kid asks you where babies come from, you bring out a book and that always helps because you can point at the book. Oh, this happens, you know? And I think, you know, parents and kids have an interesting dynamic of communication, sometimes wonderful, sometimes the magnet in the other way. So I think having a curriculum, especially um, Devin, the fact that you turned your own difficulties into something so positive is great that it's like a kid from a kid to a kid. So knowing that you helped develop a curriculum after you'd been through such difficult bullying times yourself, I think is more likely for a kid to listen. And again, it's that tool for a parent, like, hey, let's look at this together. This is important. <clears throat> Dr. Rondawa, would you like to add on? I, I, you know, piggybacking off of that, I think that's a great, uh, great, I think it's gonna be very beneficial. And to Caroline's point, it does take away that narrative of, and so often when someone is experiencing this, there's that question of like, well, you don't know what I've been through or you can't relate. And so it, it defeats, it, it makes it difficult to have build that relationship or that, or that sense of, you know, what you're talking about. So I think the way you're describing it and, and the more that uh, it, it gets access and then practice can be much more beneficial. And it's always great to have that, like Caroline was saying, that thing that you could say that, okay, this is the reason why and a source to just reassure parents that this is a method can be used. This is a way to, to express, because it is a difficult topic. It's a very intricate topic. And sometimes it's, it's, it can be a curveball at any point. So uh, yeah, I think it's very beneficial for sure because it's needed. And like you were saying, Devin, it's an emergency because we're seeing, I'm seeing it daily. There's usually three to seven on average youth that are admitted uh, ranging from the ages of four and a half we had over Christmas to 17 that are coming in because of depression, being bullied and not knowing what to do. And also I wanna bring up something that you that Caroline said earlier, talking about uh, Gabriel and the school. So did the school like respond at all to how Gabriel was looking up bullying and suicide? Unfortunately, I think that in that school circumstance that they didn't have alerts turned on because my understanding was that there was a cyber safety agreement in place, but I believe that it was a matter and I'm not hundred percent sure, but quite sure that, that, that the alerts weren't being turned on because I know they were able to run a report 
weeks after he died and find out what he had been searching with his login on his devices. So, um, and we had an amazing call from a teacher that said that she'd heard Carol speak somewhere and went to her school and they found out there was an error in their alerts that it had got a new email system and the alerts were going into some dark place. And she was like, because of you guys, we flipped out easy switch and everybody's getting the alerts. So I think that's one of those um, steps that's really, really important. So it was, again, another piece of the puzzle of this tragedy that was so preventable. And then another question, again, is when you alert is going to someone, what are they doing about it? You know, and what is the schools? Um, I know in my kids' middle school, they just all got in trouble because kids were swearing or something too much. And the teacher was like, I can't even get my work done because there's so many alerts. And so let's like clean up our behavior online. And that wasn't even a case of bullying. It was just like, I'm, I was so glad she came home and told that story because I'm like, oh, that's good. The alerts are working. <clears throat> that's interesting. Um, and the reason why I say it's interesting is just because I'm like, so me just kind of going to like a different, like different schools or even when I was touring certain colleges, I found out about like um, the different um cyber alerts and different apps that they had where they would get uh, and you know alerts about whatever wrong is going on and then I realized for certain places that didn't have that that was when they had more problems now that I'm really looking back at that that's when I I'm kind of really I'm kind of realizing that that's um where they had more problems do you do you think that because they didn't have the cyber alerts more um, negative things, more bullying, more even suicide. Do you think that is another reason that adds on to why there were so many different things going on at those schools? Uh, I know in the case of, in this particular case, it was over 11 days time where there were different inappropriate searching terms. So, you know, it wasn't like one little needle in the haystack. And so um, I think so. And then with my own kids experience, like even if my daughter's, you know, not doing anything bad, which I hope she's not, she was just told by the teacher, like, I'm getting these alerts, cleaning up the behavior, you know, so um, I think that it is, I would guess, if you could look at schools and find the statistics of a school that has alerts for cyber safety hooked in and a program in place to deal with them, I would certainly think that instances of both bullying and, you know, suicidal behavior would be down. I would hope so. I don't have the facts, but I would think that would be the case. I see what you mean. And we're definitely, like we've been saying, we're living in a time where it's very easy to Google anything, which includes how someone can com commit suicide. So um, what other ways do you think a parent can monitor what their child is searching online? Um, I know that there, well, at Gabriel's Light, we have a blog post that says eight ways to navigate cyber safety with your kids. And I would encourage people to check that out. But um, I, the alerts at school we keep talking about, there's also alerts at home and monitoring cyber safety at home. And as a parent myself, I know a ton of people got devices at Christmas and people are like, oh, we gave in early to the iPad because of the pandemic. And then the, th the barriers I hear from my friends are, oh, I don't even know how to turn all that stuff on. That's so complicated um, to turn on alerts. Um, Gabriel's Light works with a company called Bark Technologies and Bark has a system you can put on the device. Um, and you can find it online. It does take some doing, but if you think of the consequence between navigating the alerts and figuring it out versus finding out something of your kid. The other big thing I wanted to mention is the amount of parents that are like, oh, it would never be my kid and I trust them. Or she yelled at me and was like, you never trust me and we're fighting so much about it. You know, So 
I just want to show her how much I trust her and give her a chance. And again, I'd say um, parenting, you know, is they're, they're not 18. They live in your house. It's your job to keep them safe. And I, you know, happy to hear what Dr. Rendawa says. But in my mind, when I hear that, because I, I tell the story of the dealies, I'm like, would you accept these consequences that could happen over saying to your daughter, I love you very much. And internet in our household is needs to be kept safe in this way. Love and safety are not the same thing. Maybe Dr. Rendawa has additional you know, advice for that. I mean, uh, uh, well, I, again, piggybacking off what you're mentioning, I, that's the, I think the more the ready approach. Uh, so often we'll get parents that will say exactly that. We're like, well, I could, but it's just so much work on, on, on monitor, monitoring them. And I'll just keep it simple. Like, you know, if you learned in your days how to type and or use your, your phone, you could easily do this. It's just, will you? Uh, so that's one piece. The other, when it comes to uh, just being a parent, uh, so often there'll be parents that'll be like, well, again, going off of what Caroline was just mentioning, like, I want to trust. So I'll, I'll do this to build that trust. I want to be that friend. And that right there will stop you. Like, you know, that you're forgetting that you're a parent first. And we're not saying be mean or authoritative or a warden in your home, but uh, not to be a friend. You could be friendly, but you should be able to draw the line as to when rules are rules, how they're implemented and how to create those boundaries. Because otherwise you're, you're not going to have that positive connection to then do something in case something is needed. So trust is great. It's okay for your children to hate you or be pissed at you. Sometimes that's validation that you're doing the right thing because you're not caving to everything uh, a youth may need or want in that moment. But again, having that, that, that ability to be a parent, it takes precedence because like Carolyn was saying, you want to weigh the pros and cons. And sometimes we'll have parents that will also say that where someone's came in, the the patient or the youth is saying, I've been depressed, I've been suicidal, and the parent will minimize, be like, no, they're not, they don't really mean that, they would never really kill themselves, I don't really need all this extra help. And there we'll just have a dialogue of, well, what is it that you're waiting for? Like, what's the ultimate that is going to let you say, you know what, now we'll do something about it in the home, now we will change the course of monitoring, etc. Because death is kind of already on the table. So and then rarely, not rarely, but when we had more in-person visits, sometimes I would just have the youth leave and then just have a one-on-one -on -one with the parent and, uh, you know, just be very assertive straight with them and sometimes have to put them in their place so they understand the magnitude of, of their behavior. And one last thing is so often you, the parents will compare and be like, oh, just don't worry about it. Just shrug it off. Don't, you know, don't let them, uh, don't let it affect you where, that's the obvious that a youth doesn't want to hear because if they could, they wouldn't let it affect them. Right? That's a, that's just the blatant that's on the surface. It's the easy thing to do. Or parents will quickly not try to connect uh, themselves. They will say like, well, when I was a kid, I, bullying was like this, so it didn't really affect me and therefore relate it to my child should be able to handle it because I was be able to handle it. But the thing about now is, again, cyberbullying and the ways you can... And, you can affect a kid is so different than what it was to even 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So there is no comparison. Uh, all the more reason to really be diligent on uh, getting the, the proactive work in play now, no matter what it takes. And when you say proactive, it reminds me to talk about um, agreements when they first get devices. Before there's trouble, before there's a bad alert or someone seems depressed or warning sign, like you get a new bike, you buy the kid a helmet, and you're like, here's how biking safety goes, and you look both ways in the streets. 
and there's no problem happening. It's just like, here's a bike and here's the safety with the bike. And I think when they're way earlier, you know, eight, 10, however old they're getting devices, there's online a ton of questionnaires. And, you know, maybe you can say, Devin, if there's any part of the behind the screen also, but have the conversation when they get access to the internet in a positive way. This is a huge responsibility. Welcome to the World Wide Web. And here are the rules. We'll always know your passwords. We're always going to check your devices. Da, 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 da. And that's such an easier conversation to do before there's any warning sign or any trouble. 100%. Yeah, I, I describe it to parents. I'm like, just think of it as board game rules. At the, at the outset, just establish what the rules are going to be. And then from time to time, remind them. Always, and same with conversations where if they're like, you know, I can't talk to my child or they're going to get really mad, et cetera. We also let kids know if you, if your parents are really quick to react, get upset, create board game rules where if you're going to get mad, we're going to take a pause. But when, uh, when it comes to electronics, uh, create that precedence from the get-go. It's the same with, even as adults, we get it, for instance, a driving license. From time to time, we have to go back, get it redone, have to sometimes take the test and learn what it is uh, that it takes to properly drive, right? And, um, and and we follow all those rules. Same thing can be applied to youth. And it's really important for parents to reinforce that because you are the gatekeeper of those rules in the home setting, which then can be practiced elsewhere uh, as well. And going back to what, oh, I'm sorry, Caroline, were you about to say something? No, I just said it's great. I love the board game rules. I wrote that down. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, um, so the behind the screen or the hashtag behind the screen curriculum, it does have parts where you can openly or it has conversation starters where you can talk about things like, you know, when you were first given your phone or what did your parents think as far, what did your parents do as far as ensuring safety with you using or monitoring your phone? Um, actually, when it came to me, I, so I received my first phone, I think it was around 11 or 12, something like that. And I remember my parents saying to me, they were saying, Devin, we're giving you this phone, we're trusting you with this phone, so do not look up anything inappropriate. If there's ever a problem, come to us, and they would continuously let me know as their child that I can always come to them. I think that's a great message for parents to continuously let their child know that they're always going to be there for them and also don't look at me don't look up anything inappropriate on your phone don't do anything inappropriate on your phone that would hurt anyone and then as far as looking up um well bullying and suicide that's very much a clear sign that something's wrong that's why oh like we have been saying I, we it's a clear sign that something's not right why is your child, you know, thinking about this? Are they thinking about it because they're curious and they don't know what it is at all? Or are they thinking about it because it's something that they might unfortunately take part in, self-harm or have suicidal ideations? It's a very terrifying topic to even talk about, but it, we need to have this conversation. Parents need to have this conversation with uh, their, their children or their loved ones. Um, teachers need to have this conversation with um, their students, a real conversation, not just a lecture, don't do this because it's bad. You need to get down deep into, dive deep into this conversation like we're having now. That's why hashtag behind the screen is perfect to have in every school and it's perfect for parents to teach to their child. Also just going along with hashtag behind the screen, for everyone who's watching, remember that you can bring this to your school. 
whether it's talking to, you could talk to your um, teacher or your principal about what hashtag behind the screen is and say that you would like to start a hashtag behind the screen chapter at your school. So you can have open conversations like this about bullying prevention and suicide. And then also for any of the teachers watching, um, you can bring this curriculum to your schools and to your students. Whether it's during the school day or an after school club, you can work with the hashtag behind the screen chapter that you started in your in order to set up meetings and go through the different anti-cyberbullying activities. We have conversation starters that range from all of you just saying what you think bullying is or have you like what what is your initial or cyberbullying? What's your initial thoughts on this? Do you know anything about it? Let's hear what we all have to think. Let's help each other, you know? That's what we have with the hashtag behind the screen curriculum. We have the different signs, we have the different effects. And then also just to add on, you guys can also receive service hours on interview for participating. I can link that in the chat regardless. Um, so guys, I would like for you to also answer, I know the poll came up. Do you guys think that by having this anti-cyberbullying curriculum, parents will be more easily able to explain cyber safety to their children? I'm glad that we were, um, me, Caroline, and Dr. Son, uh, Dr. Rondawa were really able to talk about this important issue. Um, and then I would like to actually go over a now what scenario with you guys. Um, so let me just screen share. <laughs> okay, with the now what scenarios, we're gonna be talking about what we can do in order to help this person in their situation. Um, so now, Brian is 16, he's overweight. Students call him fat and ugly in school. They follow him from class to class laughing and telling him never to eat again. Brian talks to his best friend who lives in another state about the bullying. His friends tell him to just ignore the bullies. Brian discovered that a Twitter page was created about him and students commented about his weight and how ugly he is. There are at least 80 offensive comments and tweets about his body daily. Brian begins to self-harm. For everyone listening, I would like for you to type in the chat what you would do in order to help Brian or what you may even think Brian is thinking in this situation. Caroline, um, would you like to start with um, what you think we could do to help Brian in the, or any student in this situation? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think back to some of the things we we're talking about today, his friend who's out of state, um, I would want that friend who knows about it to not say ignore it or anyone to ever say ignore it. Um, I Any of the people that are writing on that who are participating on the Twitter page should be speaking up instead of adding into the bullying. But I think in the story, the only person are Brian and the out-of-state friend who know what's happening and are a part of the negative side of it. So my my ask would be that one of them would talk to a trusted adult about the situation so that they can start to intervene. I agree with you. And Dr. Rondawa, would you like to add on? I would second that. I, I If Brian's friend out of state is familiar with his family, let them know if he's starting to self-harm, then that would be something that would need to be investigated sooner than later because the more stress, especially if it's that social media, uh, is the more of uh, more of that stress is there, the more he can uh, do something without forethought and impulsively go too far with the the self harm. So that would be number one if it's gotten to that point. Is just get some more professional help so he could talk it out and then learn how to process, how to navigate 
bullies or the things that are being said about him. Yeah, I agree. And then just going again, as far as Brian's best friend, maybe just as well, as far as from the best friend's perspective or another you appear looking in his perspective, just letting him, letting Brian know that you're there for that, uh, for him and that you're listening and you want to help him and you'll support love. Well, you'll love him. You'll love him and you'll continue to let him know that you're there for them. And then just going again on having an adult intervene and letting know, the adult know what's going on. Um, this has been a great conversation and I would like to um, open it up for Q&A. So if anyone has any questions, please feel free to type it in the chat. Um, but I'll start off with some questions. So um, Caroline, I know the importance of speaking to kids at schools and Gabriel's Light does the same. Can you tell us about the Youth Ambassador Program? Yes, I would love to. So we have a, uh, we know that peer to peer communication is one of the best ways to hear from kids. Most teenagers will talk to their friends way more than they'll talk to adults about what's going on with them, like Dr. Rendawa said as well. Um, so our youth ambassador program, you can find out more at gabrielslight.org. But we focus on skills that the youth that the youth can learn while they work with the organization. So it becomes a resume builder for them. For example, we had a social media campaign strategy session. And um, because my other job is marketing and brand strategy, um, we worked with the kids to come up with a social media strategy for Suicide Prevention Month uh, for a number of months. And then they use their own social media accounts to execute it. We've had another session focusing on fundraising um, and we had a self-care session as well. And so the students who sign up, they, we joined together in Zoom. Unfortunately, with the pandemic, we don't meet in person. Um, but the kids get to get service hours. They get to learn transferable skills, which is great for their resume. And then they also get to learn the science. And one of our ambassadors did stay after our Zoom call um, a couple sessions ago. And at one in the morning, saw a kid tweet, say goodbye to everyone for me, or something to that effect. And, or she didn't see it, someone said, oh my gosh, that girl seems to know about things like this. She's always putting stuff like that on her social media because she was promoting Gabriel's Light as a youth ambassador. They contacted her, what should we do? And she was able to contact the school counselor. And even the kid who wrote it was like, you ratted me out and people were mad at her, some of them were. But she just said, no, no, I didn't do it. And she went ahead and told the counselor, the kid got immediately taken into a facility like where Dr. Rendawa works. So it was so exciting to know that, that again, well, how do we start the conversation, this grassroots help of these youth ambassadors. So if anybody knows kids that are interested, tweens and teens, then um, we're always welcoming kids to the youth ambassador program. <clears throat> I'm so happy to hear that. Well, I'm happy to hear that the um, ambassador was able to help that other person, regardless of if anyone was getting mad. I'm glad that they were able to help. Um, I know with Humanity Rising, we have a lot of youth who also come along on the Humanity Rising movement and they share, well, they share their um, their service, they share their passion, like how mine's anti-bullying. We share our passions and we, or our service, and we are allowed to better, better share on a, um, I'm trying to say like share on a, a better, a bigger platform is what I'm really trying to say, I'm sorry. Um, our story and how we're helping others through our service. Like I said, mine's anti-bullying. I'm doing um, this hashtag behind the screen webinar, which I'm very happy to be doing. Um, I have my Race to Speak Up organization. I also have a Race to Speak Up podcast, which I can talk about just a little later. 
And so, yeah, I'm glad to be a part of the Humanity Rising movement. And I'm now glad to also be speaking with you from Gabriel's Light and hearing about what you guys do. I actually spoke um, to a few of the ambassadors um, for Gabriel's Light about bullying prevention and um, hashtag behind the screen. So it was a really good conversation. They're they're like a sponge. They really take in what you are telling them and they want to help. They really want to help others. So it was really nice, you know, talking to them. Mm -hmm. Dr. Randawa, what stands out for you seeing um, Gabriel's Light educate others about bullying prevention and suicide prevention? I, I, I think the more resources that are out there, the better everyone will be. Uh, and I love the fact that you were already able to see <laughs> you know, proofs of, of that labor being put into play. So the fact that someone was able to reach out, get the help for this youth already speaks that it's it's effective. And mainly, you want to always keep in mind, if, even if you help one person, you've, you've already done enough, right? And then that can then become a story for the next and the next and the next. And when it comes to even sharing info with, with parents, uh, you know, one thing we let children know or youth uh, when they say, oh, my parents don't trust me or they, they want to know everything or I don't like talking to them, et cetera, or I don't want to tell them is uh, kind of we, we use ratios. We're like, you don't have to tell them 100 percent of what's going on in your life, but at least let them in for the 51 percent. So they know when to intervene further. They when they know when to back off, but they could at least have that trust that you're safe. Uh, uh, you know, so it, the more resources that can assist the parents to do what they need to do and understand these complex issues along with having resources for youth that are still learning what these issues are in the first place is only going to be a benefit to kind of connecting the dots when, uh, you know, just going down the road. Cause you never know, you just never know when something like depressions, bullying, that stress can impact you. Uh, and because of all those variable presentations, uh, not sure if we have questions now, but one thing I did want to just mention is, uh, you know, in between these podcasts to maybe message you, Devin, or maybe list them down on if something happened to a friend or a colleague or someone that you know personally and didn't know what to do, bring that vignette, bring that up, what now scenario to the session that we could always talk it out uh, as well. Because just, you know, sometimes one resource might not fit for everyone, but at least it's there to start the, the process and allow us to understand what else is needed in ways to help, uh, again, for such a deep and intense topic. I agree. Like I said, we're always here. We are always willing to help. So I will be including my, um, like all my social medias and my email in the comments as well. And that also include their social medias. But um, Caroline, I want you to tell us, so what does Gabriel's Light do on World Prevention Day, on World Suicide Prevention Day? Um, we have a whole campaign actually um, in the fall. It's a big time because September is World Suicide Prevention Month and then October is Anti-Bullying Month. So um, our mission aligns with the fall very heavily. So we did have a whole big group of youth ambassadors and we worked with them to come up with our Shine the Light and Suicide Prevention campaign. Um, and through that, we used social media mostly. And then also we um, brought kindness posters to schools and we, we really worked with the youth ambassadors to spread it. But that's where we came up with our three point system, learn the warning signs, learn what to do and ask others to do the same. And then we spread that through um, various communications channels. Um, well, thank you again for both sharing. This has been a great conversation. Thank Caroline. you Kevin, for having us. Thank you. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And uh, yeah, look forward to keep helping and, and having these sessions going forward. 
And thank you, Caroline. Awesome work that you're doing. And we're going to look more into that as well and hopefully connect, uh, you know, in the Chicagoland area. I would love that. Thank you, Dr. Rendawa. No problem. Awesome. And thank you for everyone who's listening. If you're interested in starting a hashtag behind the screen chapter at your school or your environment, make sure that you sign up for the hashtag behind the screen activities on interview and you can start your chapter now. It includes the curriculum, the agreement policy, and the videos um, help you understand how to implement the curriculum as well. By completing each activity, you'll receive service hours. Just remember to sign up for interview if you haven't already. I just included the link in the chat. It's the interview link. Remember, Humanity Rising is a student-led movement to create a more compassionate world through service. And there are many different ways that you can get involved in Humanity Rising. I host this behind the screen webinar and I also host the Race to Speak Up webinar. Um, well, this is where I speak about, uh, or I speak to change makers about how they are working towards a more empathetic world through bullying prevention. And again, I interviewed the founder of Your Bills Like Carol, Carol Dealey. So make sure you watch, share, and subscribe. It's also linked in the chat and you can also receive service hours for watching. Updates about the Race to Speak Up podcast and the behind the screen webinar can be found all on my social media as well. So make sure you follow at Race to Speak Up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on future webinars. And also I included the Facebook group as well. By participating in Humanity Rising events and challenges, you will be eligible for Humanity Rising service scholarships. So visit www.humanityrising for more information. Thank you again, Caroline, for joining. And thank you, Dr. Rondawa. Thank you all again for joining us. And if you have any questions about the monthly behind the screen webinar, feel free to also contact me at ambassadors at humanityrising.org.